Hi, you're listening to Life Origami Podcast with Alan Lay. This episode was recorded on the 27th of December 2020, and it's already 17th of April 2021. It took me a long time to process the last seven episodes, and now in April, I want to release seven episodes that were recorded in the time frame from the end of December till now. I hope you enjoyed this wonderful episode and let's get into it. Hi everyone, welcome to the eighth episode of our interview series of how do you make 2021 count for the business you love. Today's guest is already six years in, a, in an important topic that everyone faces on a day-to-day basis in our business, it's content marketing. And uh, our guest is especially focusing on B2B content marketing. And I believe that many of us who are in business are dealing with B2B clients and are interested on how to make our content more productive for our business. And uh, today we have uh, Camille Bliff. Did I say uh, that correctly? It's pronounced Bly. Bly. Super. So Camille, I welcome you to this episode. I'm glad to have you. It's nearly new year. Uh, We are fitting it into your schedule. Um, And I believe today's episode will be super packed with value and interesting ideas for people to make 2021 count. So Camille, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, about your background and where are you from? Okay, so I am based in Sydney, Australia. Um, I live uh, in the north part of Sydney on an island. So uh, that's my fun fact. (laughs) Uh, So it's a water access only. And I've been running my business for six years. I started it um, mostly because I needed to be able to do uh, something that fitted in around uh, life. So mostly my children, their school schedules, all those things. So I, I kind of uh, invented a business that would fit in with everything that I could work from home with. And yeah, that's, that's basically where I'm at. And I do specialize, um, as Alan said, in B2B um, businesses. uh, And it's uh, a little bit more niche than that in terms of, I look at uh, businesses with uh, high value, infrequently purchased products or services. And we look at the the content that will help them engage uh, their audience over the long term in between those two uh, buying points. Super. You're the first person that said that they've launched a business that fits in into life. That is super fascinating. Um, let's uh, let's talk about this idea a little bit. Um, so. Was it was this business a passion that was at the beginning or it became a passion through time for you? Uh, I think it's a bit of a hybrid. Um, it was uh, writing's always been my kind of jam. But uh, after doing um, well, after convincing a few friends who had businesses that I was, uh, you know, that content marketing and, and writing blogs was was a good thing, I realized Uh, Firstly, that I was going to get bored very quickly. And secondly, there's only so many words you can write, uh, you know, in a week. And I had an an accidental meeting with these two really lovely business guys. Um, And I won't go into the story, but I ended up showing up to this meeting. And they were both really lovely. And they spent two hours with me in this meeting and explained to me how I could turn what I was doing into a scalable business, Mm -hmm. which... um, you know, to this day, I think back at the fortune of that kind of accidental meeting and how that really did change the trajectory of what I was doing and how I worked out how to turn this into quite a scalable business. So in in reality now, I don't do any writing at all, um, but I do, you know, in that journey, I found a whole bunch of other things that I really love doing as well. So, mm. so yeah, it was um, kind of a hybrid between need and... Uh, doing something that I enjoyed and then finding something I kind of really can enjoy in a long-term sense. Oh, that's, that's interesting. Uh, what would you say uh, your passion in life is currently and what keeps you up at night? Um, 
Look, it's it's a mix of things, and you know, like I I I have a very kind of uh, diverse range of interests. So, I have a garden which um, continuously needs weeding. So I'm you know like I'm always using excuses to go out and do some gardening. Um, I, at the moment, I'm into creating uh, fabric dyes out of natural materials, so gum leaves and bark and flowers and things like that. So mm. it's not really, uh, I think, I think the passion is exploring new things. All right. Does this passion fit uh, and transmit through the business that you're doing also? Finding and doing new things? In, in a really, really indirect way. So I find, um, so one of, one of the things I sort of realized is that in order to uh, maintain a momentum in a business, you need to find the space to let your brain relax. So I know that there's a lot of people who, you know, they jump in the car and they put on a podcast and they're reading a business book and they're doing, you know, doing this or they're working or they're doing a mastermind, all those things. And I find that what I need to do is go somewhere and do a physical activity that allows my brain to go onto autopilot and just not absorb more information and not absorb and not be thinking about tasks and processes and clients and all that kind of stuff. And I just find that I can walk in after 15 minutes in the garden and kind of have this bolt of inspiration on something that needs to be done next. Very interesting. So um, basically you're using this technique where you're uh, relaxing and refocusing your brain on something that is not work related. And that helps you to process everything that's been going on in the business and come up with interesting new insights and uh, get more done in the end. Yeah, yeah. If I'm under extreme pressure to get something done, um, I will spend 15 minutes outside in the garden. Oh, weeds out or... okay. yeah, literally, that would be my first thing to do rather than go into that kind of action mode. Um, I tend to I tend to go and do the relaxing bit first. It's kind of like stretching before doing exercise. I'm not really an exercise person. I'm a yoga person. Mm -hmm. But I do know that if you're going to go for a run or something, it's a good idea to stretch beforehand. Um, and I feel like that's kind of what I do. You know, it's like a creative... mental stretch, right? Basically. Yeah, well, yeah, kind of creativity stretch. Oh, that's interesting. I believe for, for many that can be put into practice. So when it, did I understand correctly? So when you have an important decision to make or something important to um, to do, first you spend some time doing some physical activity that is not connected to work in any way, just uh, to um, slow down the thought process. And it gets you into a state that enables you to be much more productive as a result uh, in the thing that you need to get done. Yeah, I think you've thought about it more than I have <laughs> in the sense that, yeah, I haven't really thought about it too much. But often, you know, between tasks, I'll go out and I'll sweep the leaves off the deck. I have the tidiest deck. Um, so, so, yeah, so I think it's just that sort of uh, manual activity where you're, you're, your brain doesn't have to actually think about the thing that you're doing and mm -hmm. it can just kind of drift off in its own beautiful, own beautiful. direction um, and then it can come back and focus uh-huh wow that's uh that's an interesting perspective and i believe it's practical for many people out there uh in in the process of work and uh, as you said you fit in your business into your lifestyle um do you find yourself to be a morning person or a night person i am definitely a morning person how did you find out about it? Um, uh, yeah, I don't think I found out so much as it was kind of forced upon. Mm. <laughs> I think when you have children, um, you know, I used to be a night owl. I used to go out, all that kind of stuff, uh, which I'm glad I did because when I had children, suddenly, you know, you find that sleep has become very, very precious and children tend to get up really, really early and then you know, and then the school thing starts. And so you've got to get up and stick to a schedule with school. And I just found that if I, you know, by the time I, you know, the children come home from school, you do the whole dinner, bed, homework routine. So it's, you know, eight or nine o'clock. And if I go back to work, then I'm kind of exhausted, but then I, I hit a, I hit a roll and then suddenly it's two o'clock in the morning. Mm. 
and then the next day I can't really function at all. So I just realized that I had to go, whatever I can get done in the day that I have gets done. And if I need to get more done, I have to get up earlier to do that rather than trying to push through at night. So I never, ever work um, after mm. about six o'clock. All right. Uh, in this in this process of um, having that routine where uh, you do put your children to bed and let's say it's um, eight or nine. So by that time, you fin you already finished all the work. So before putting your children to sleep, you already f finish everything, right? Yeah, well, yeah, I, I kind of work on a weekly basis. So I, I look at what needs to be done for the week. Um, so yes, yeah, so I, I kind of run two lists. I have a, a general list for the full week and then I have a daily list just to get, you know, make, keep everything in control. Um, and then if I do that, you know, if I sit down on Sunday night and plan the week out, then generally I smash that week. Um, and then if I, if the last thing I do in the day is do the next day's list. So I'm not really necessarily that hung up on getting everything done in a day. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I'll get things done and then anything that doesn't get done gets carried over onto the next day and starts the mm -hmm. next day's list. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, when do you start? Like uh, if you go to sleep uh, early, I say, how, when, when is the average time when you go to bed in, in a sense? Well, my children are teenagers now, so often I'm the first one to bed. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so what is yes, that about? Nine, nine thirty. And, and then when... I'll read for an hour. Okay, so so one of the rituals that you do is before sleep you read. Absolutely can't go to sleep if I don't read. Okay. Doesn't and... matter how late it is. Doesn't matter how tired I am. What kind of literature? Uh, you've name it. I've read it. I will read anything. So it Diversity. doesn't matter, is it like a business or anything else? You, you just read something that is interesting for you. Yep, novels, um, nonfiction, business books, whatever. Okay, so the yep. process, you basically uh, go to bed early, somewhere around nine-ish, uh, then you read for an hour and uh, have a good night's sleep. And what is a good night's sleep? How much do you sleep on average? Well, until six o'clock. Okay, so you always uh, have a fixed, uh, let's say, fixed alarm or a fixed inner alarm to wake up at 6 a.m., right? Uh, and I've got, got an alarm to wake okay. up at 6. And uh, how does your um, morning routine look like? Do you have one? Uh, yeah, so the morning consists of getting everybody up and uh, ready for school and out the door. Um, and so generally I will start work at eight o'clock in the morning. Um, and then I will go through until maybe four or five when they get home. Mm, okay. Do you have any, uh, in the process of the morning uh, kind of activities, do you have any self-care rituals that you practice in the morning before work? or not now? No, no, there's not really that much time or space. You know, I have to get up earlier to do that. Um, you know, there's some days where I have, um, you know, mastermind groups and things from overseas. So I'll have to get up earlier and do those. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, no, generally I don't, it's, you know, I get up and I, I do have to have a shower before I do anything. Like the day doesn't actually start if I don't have a shower. <laughs> That's Yeah, and a lot of thinking happens there as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's a good, you know, like I get a lot of kind of, um, you know, I, I think, yeah, having being asked the question, I do think about what I'm going to do for the day. So that's kind of like a pre-planning session. Mm, okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let, let's talk about uh, the business itself. So um, content marketing uh, agency is the only thing that you're doing. You're not doing any additional businesses or anything else. This is your pure focus, right? Uh, yes. Yes. Okay. And how does your business uh, look like? Like, do you have any, uh, any people on board? Uh, like what, what, what is going on in the business that you're doing? Okay. So it's, it's structured. Um, I'm, uh, I'm a less is more person. Uh, so the simpler I can keep things, the better. So under the current structure, I have uh, myself as full-time and then everybody else I have is contract. And the reason that it works that way is because uh, when I'm looking for writers for a client, they have to be specialists in the area of 
the client. Um, so I can't just get one writer and, you know, have them write for all the clients. Mm -hmm. I have, you know, uh, six clients, I'll have six different writers. Okay, so uh, you stick to the idea that uh, a, a writer should be dedicated to a specific client. Yeah, and they need to have the background knowledge of that client's industry. So if I'm doing work for a law firm, then the writer will need to be an ex-lawyer. Mm, oh, wow, an ex-lawyer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, very specific. So, I, And it's not uncommon for lawyers to become copywriters. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, um, what so, about yeah. what about the idea? So um, did I understand correctly? So if you're putting one copywriter uh, per client, so you're loading that copywriter up full time for working and creating content, or how does that work? No, no, they're all they're they're all um, you know freelance copywriters, so they have their own stable of clients, mm -hmm. um, and I you know so they just become a supplier, so mm -hmm. to speak, for me. Uh, and it's because it's ongoing content, they usually have, you know, um, you know, they get better at the topic as they go along as well. So it's, um, it's almost like a regenerative system. Super. So you basically, you've built out a system for yourself where you're able to sustainably manage, uh, clients and client relationships. And you have uh, execution staff uh, that are contract workers and basically uh, they serve the client. And your current task is to hold the business running, make sure that uh, all the plans are realized. And it's a more of a management task kind of at the moment rather than doing the content by yourself. Exactly, yes. Super. Yeah. How did you find out, like in the process, I believe for, so, for, ma yeah, for so many, this, um, a, just, oh. just a sec, let me a little bit clarify what, what I meant by this is uh, I believe for many entrepreneurs who will be listening to us, the, the idea of them being the expert in the business that they're doing uh, can be the main thing. And uh, how did you make the transition and why, or how did you realize, like, as you said, you've talked to, to someone, you know, that uh, met, like leaded you in that direction. Uh, but uh, how did you like uh, talk to yourself into the idea that I'm stopping writing and I'm just doing um, the managing part? Um, I didn't really need to talk myself out of it that much because I could see the potential of being able to grow, you know, like um, much more sustainably if I had a much more diverse range of clients. So part of part of the content marketing, because the, the content that we produce is um, incredibly focused on the audience that we're dealing with for that particular client. If I, I can't really do, uh, I can't really have clients in the same industry. So I have to then have clients in separate industries as much as possible. Location can help with that a bit, um, but generally, you know, you can only talk about real estate in so many ways if you're talking about a residential real estate agency. So, so keeping those things separate was part of it. And so then being able to assign a writer to that. And the bit that I really enjoyed about the whole process was actually setting it up and finding out from the client, you know, who that audience was, what groups they had, how we could really use the content to connect with them. Um, so yeah, it, I didn't really need to talk myself out of it mm. um, so much as just realize that it could grow much more sustainably if I was able to separate things out a little. And if I hear correctly, you are currently also really fascinated by uh, what your current responsibilities in the business are. Uh, did I hear that uh, you're responsible also for the strategy and the planning uh, with the client in the first place? Yeah. So yeah. basically you come in with uh, into a new relationship with a client, uh, you help them understand what they need, you help them to strategize and plan, and then you find the writer that will execute that plan uh, that you've built with the client, right? Yeah, that's exactly it. Super. Yeah, so, uh, mm -hmm. oh, I was going to say, we've now taken it one step further because the framework that I've been using has run so smoothly for the last few years that I'm now turning it into an online course. Mm. So 
Yeah, so people can then take themselves through using the exact same framework that I've developed because it's not really, you know, I had to say it, it's not rocket science. Um, so, so once you understand the bits that you need to know and the bits that you need to fill in for that um, strategic side and the, the ongoing planning side, then you, know, you can do that yourself, set it up, and then I've got a whole segment now on how you engage a writer and how you manage that process wow how did you come yeah. about that idea so i, I believe that uh, um, when we create such kind of supplementary products to the business the core business that we're doing uh, we're widening um, our uh, let's say opportunity field um, how did you came to the idea of that a course can be something that is uh, worth doing for your business um I always think I had in the back of my mind that it was going to somehow come to a one-to-many, uh, you know, structure. Mm -hmm. And being able to do both, one fuels the other, which is quite nice. So the, the agency side clients will always, you know, like every time I go through the process of setting them up, I find better ways to do things or I find new things to do that add to the, um, the outcomes that we get. So you know, that then all feeds back into the online section. Um, part of it was also that I know, you know, I know that content works and uh, business owners know that it works, but the cost of having somebody do it in a um, that agency setup um, is a premium cost. And a lot of startups and small businesses wouldn't be able to afford it. I wouldn't be able to afford my own product, um, if that makes sense. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so if I had to outsource my own writing, I would struggle to do that. So I understand how, you know, because I can do it myself, it's fine. But for a lot of people who whose core business isn't marketing, you know, being able to to be able to do that without having that huge cost is a really valuable thing. Mm -hmm. Got you. Um, and talking about passion more. Um, when you were first writing and then you discovered uh, that you could uh, transfer the business model from only you to an agency and then focus on strategy and vision and planning. Um, so the, if, I, if I hear you correctly, so you found that you're even more passionate about that than writing itself. Yeah, I guess I do. I mean, I still am able to, you know, pick up a couple of the articles and do them myself you know, kind of just to keep my hand in. Um, if there's something that comes through that's really interesting or I just happen to have knowledge, you know, in that area, then I'll pick that up. Um, so I don't feel like I'm not writing. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, the that kind of getting them set up and doing that discovery session and coming up with the ideas that will work for them, you know, I find that really fun. So mm -hmm. even you know, ongoing, even being able to get somebody in who can do the managerial side of things would be an easy thing for me to delegate because there's such a system set up now. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Um, let's look at, uh, at the idea, as you said, you fit the business into your life. Um, how do you manage uh, to be with your family in the business and take care of yourself? What, what's, what's your structure? Um, I, I wouldn't say it's so much a structure. It's more, um, you know, the bend like bamboo kind of thing. Like <laughs> okay. there, there has to be flexibility built into everything. So if there's something that's immovable, then everybody has to know about that. Um, and we have a, a, my husband and I have a shared calendar. And hmm. if we have something immovable, the first person who gets it into the shared calendar wins. Um, so... <laughs> So if you forget to put it into the calendar and the other person's already got something in there, sorry, you're going to have to cancel. <laughs> um, and then, so that way it's things like, you know, if I have to go and pick up a child from school because they're not feeling well, I can go and do that. There's nothing really. Um, and I think actually the, the thing that I haven't really mentioned is that the reason, the reason I chose ongoing content as a sort of niche in terms of the copywriting space mm -hmm. was because it's able to be planned in a way that there are no hard deadlines. Mm. So one of the one of the kind of um, uh, things that I took into account when I was planning the whole concept was I can't work to hard deadlines if I and this was back when I had children in primary school, so things needed to be more flexible then. Um, 
so I needed to be able to, um, you know, just have that be, you know, be able to go, okay, well, if I have to drop everything and go and do something and working from home was really important as well, because, you know, if I have sick children, it doesn't affect me at all because, you know, they're upstairs sleeping and I'm here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it really, yeah. And I mean, the self, the self-care thing is, um, it's, it's kind of an interesting one for me because I'm, I'm kind of, I don't feel like I'm a stressed person. I've structured my business so it doesn't have very many stress points. And therefore I just, you know, I'm just kind of able to be, uh, you know, in the flow of whatever's going on. Um, you know, I have to, I have to account for school holidays. So I look at my year in terms of, so we have four school terms over here and they run for anywhere between eight to 13 weeks. So that's my sprint mm. is a 13 sprint. Okay. And then, and then I have, I, you know, then I kind of have everything planned. So over the school holidays, I have a light touch on what's going on, but there's nothing dramatic happening. I don't bring new clients on in the holidays, all that kind of stuff. Oh, that's, that's interesting. Right. I guess. So, um, what, one of the core ideas in balancing your business and family is that uh, those, uh, the sprint idea and having the family uh, holiday during the periods where your kids are on holiday. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'll, you know, sometimes I'll go, okay, well, I'm just going to, you know, for the first week of the holidays, I'm going to work in the morning till midday and then, you know, I'm available to the girls or, you know, they might want to go and do something. So we just kind of shuffle those few weeks around and then school starts and, you know, off I go again on that, you know, eight to 12 week sprint and then the holidays come along again. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, so it's summer over here now. So I've got two months of school holidays. (laughs) <laughs> super uh how do you find uh, uh can you give any insights how others might be able to do the same maybe you have uh some kind of a system in place or a structure in place that helps you to be able to do that uh on an ongoing basis during the year look it, i guess it's going to really depend business to business how that will work for people um as i said because i can you know we plan things out in quarters so, you know, the client will sign off the next quarter's worth of topics. They go to the writer, then there's, the writer's got two to three weeks to pull, pull those together and send them back. Then they go to the proofing and editing girl, and then they come back for review, and then they send them to the client for um, sign off, and then they get uploaded, which is done by somebody else as well. So, you know, within that, so really it's just a case of going, okay, so over the school holidays, if I send out the new topics to the writer, um, you know, a couple of weeks before the school holidays with the expectation they'll be back at the end of the school holidays, then the system keeps going. Ah, okay. Yeah, so it's really, you know, and in the middle of that, I may have to jump in and, and, you know, check a few things or whatever, or, um, you know, make sure that the clients are signing off in time. Yeah, it really depends, but... So for your business, for your business, you find uh, that uh, using the period of holidays is a good time to plan and create content with the writers and then during the rest of the time uh, you are able to manage all the, all the ongoing things. Yeah, yeah. So generally, generally the, the, the kind of really, you know, the, the writers will have their topics before the holidays start. So they've got that time to produce the pieces. Um, and then, and I mean, to be fair, a lot of them are also parents. So we, you know, we negotiate a lot on, you know, when things will be due and how they'll get done. Mm-hmm. But because the clients aren't, you know, we're not running into publishing dates or anything like that. So it's just a case of, okay, the next lot are done. You've signed them off. We upload them. And then we go, okay, we'll, we'll use these ones in a newsletter or you need to put these ones on LinkedIn or whatever it happens mm-hmm. to be part of their strategy. We gotcha. kind of manage that as well. So, yeah. But in terms of doing, you know, like recording things for the course or bringing on new clients, I never schedule that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that's all scheduled in the sprint time. Got you. Uh, what about um, when you have to plan out? You mentioned that you have a, a weekly plan and a daily plan. Um, how do you manage uh, your uh, decision-making process and setting priorities for that time? Uh, okay. Are you familiar with the bullet journal? I heard of it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, so I looked at the bullet journal method um, and I stripped it right back to the really basic things that only that I was going to use. So 
um, at the beginning of a school term, I'll have a page that has a box for every week in the school term. So I know um, in terms of, you know, which school week it is. Then I put in anything that's immovable in terms of the school term. So if there's something that the girls have on, like parent teacher interviews or something like that, that goes in the box of that week. So then I can then I get an overview of that um, sprint. And and I can start counting down to when the school holidays next arrive so that I can mm -hmm. pre plan what needs to happen to cover that period. Then every week we'll have a page where I just jot down all the big things that need to get done during that week. And then I create a page for each day of the week. And on the left hand side, I'll have the to do list. And on the right hand side, I'll have two boxes. One is for immovable things like meetings. Um, or if I have to do the school run or something like that, they get put there. And then in the lower right hand box, I put anything that isn't client task related. So, uh, you know, it might be like, you know, that's very interesting. Yeah. So it's, and then the next day. And so then at the end of that day, I carry over anything else that needs to be done. I put in the immovables. I put in anything else that needs to be, you know, it might be, you know, call the school about something or something, you know, life tasks really. I believe that for many listeners, uh, the bullet journal will be a, a new thing. When I first saw it, um, uh, I, I would say it's, it's a neat way of planning. Uh, and one of the things uh, I would like to ask you, would you be able to share with, uh, with the listeners uh, a template of how your bullet journal uh, looks oh, like yeah, sure. on, a, on a weekly and a day-to-day -day basis? That would be something really interesting to look at. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, I, I don't know how I'd do it right now, though. No, not, not right now, but we can, I, uh, I think that uh, we can set it up so that uh, people will be able to find in the description below. Maybe I'll provide a link oh, okay, sure. so they yeah. can uh, take a look. Uh, and maybe uh, what we can do is on, uh, I believe this can be available content for you as well. So uh, if, if you create uh, an, an overview of how, of how you do your bullet journal, um, I can mm -hmm. share the post link to, to the description so others can uh, actually understand how to practically use the bullet journal for themselves as well. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah, no, as I said, it's a very stripped back version and I use pencil and paper. Mm -hmm. Old school, so. Great. So uh, looking at uh, also the planning, as you said, you, you live by quarters, uh, by uh, school holidays. Um, how far ahead in life do you plan? Do you, do you have like an ideal life scenario of where you want to get to or you're, you're just uh, going year by year and uh, seeing what comes? Uh, yeah, I have a thing called the rule of general direction. Ooh. <laughs> so, um, you know, that there are people who um, plot their, their uh, journey. You know, we're going to drive to this place and we're going to stop here and we're going to stay the night and we're going to drive to that place and we're going to... I tend to go, um, all right, so the place that I want to get to is, you know, 5,000 kilometers away. And we're just going to head in that general direction and we're just going to see what comes along, but we're going to keep going in that general direction. So in terms of business, I kind of, I have an idea of where I want to get to, but I'm not particularly beholden to how that happens. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if I get three years down the track and I go, oh man, I've just had this great idea and it's going to be this, this and this, and it's a, you know, a spin-off of what I'm doing now, it doesn't matter because, you know, you don't really know what's actually in front of you. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, so I just tend to go on this rule of general direction that I kind of want to end up over there. And if it goes like that, there's probably very good reason for it. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Do you have, when you have that uh, general direction fixated, uh, do you uh, write out your why you're going in that direction? Uh, no, I don't really write out a why. I just kind of go, okay, well, that's the end goal. And I kind of embed the end, end goal as much as I can. And then, then I sort of drop it and mm. tick along. And often I'll get to a point and I'll suddenly go, oh, hold on, that milestone was back there. <laughs> Um, and then, you know, set a new one. I hear you. Cool. Yeah. Uh, in terms of um, 
monthly, weekly, and daily activities to grow the business that you're doing. Uh, as you said, you're, you have a very specific business and uniquely, I would say, structured to your needs. Um, are there things that help you to grow your business that you execute, right? Maybe once a month, once a week, and once uh, a day? Um, that's an interesting question. I, I don't really think that I do necessarily. Like, I, you know, there's a lot of, I think part of the issue with the way things are today is there are so many things that you can do and implement and try. And so part of, part of it is uh, not getting too stuck on one particular method of doing things, but also not getting distracted by every single shiny thing that comes along. Mm -hmm. So somewhere in there, there's kind of a, a happy medium of, of being able to try and experiment and expand, but not getting so distracted that you're not really going anywhere. Um, yeah, so I, I find it frustrating when I talk to people about marketing and they're like, oh, well, you know, it's Facebook or nothing. And I'm like, well, no, <laughs> you've really got to look at who you're talking to and where they're hanging out, that kind of thing. So uh, what about, um, are there any specific activities that you know that really support uh, the growth of your business? like reaching out or maybe content writing? Networking. Or, okay. Yeah, networking works well for me. Um, uh, and how often and how do you practice it? Uh, well, that's that's an interesting one because for the last 12 months, obviously nobody's really networked very well. <laughs> um, I don't know if you're aware of uh, the BNI network. No, haven't. Uh, I think it's uh, Business Network International. Okay. And they're um they're a referral network group um and you meet weekly and the idea is that you refer business amongst the group so there's there's only ever one type of your business in the group um and there's lots and lots of groups like there's i don't know there's like 50 groups in sydney that i know mm -hmm. of. um now previously you would have to go into the venue where the meeting was held and attend the meeting live in person every week. Um, but of course, COVID came along and so they had to um, take everything online. So now they have their meeting weekly meetings online, which is a game changer for people like me. And I think particularly women, because I've spoken to a lot of women, they're like, you know, they're spending up to $150 on childcare and parking and, you know, getting up early and doing all that. Now we just get out of bed, put on a shirt and grab a coffee and here we are at the meeting. And so that's a, that's been a massive game changer for, for me. So I'm joining that group uh, mm. for next year. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, and the nice thing about it going online is now I can go and join in and be a guest at a BNI group in New York. Super. So yeah, or anywhere. So, um, so, so you, you, you try to practice networking on a weekly basis. And one of the strategies that you'll be using in the upcoming year is joining the BNI network yeah. that is helping you to realize that. Wonderful. Uh, do you have any additional strategies that help you to grow the business? Like uh, being a content writer uh, and having an agency, um, how often do you engage into copywriting yourself and content writing? Uh, yeah, your I guess. It's yeah, it's a good question. Um, uh, it's like the the builder whose house is never um, finished. So I do I do do my own copy. Um, I do focus on LinkedIn. Mm. So I've um, I think the last quarter of last year I did a lot of work on LinkedIn, and I'll continue doing that. So it'll be um, probably three times a week at a minimum. Um, on LinkedIn. So just, you know, posts, shares, conversations, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, it's uh, Facebook is really not my platform. Um, Got you. So, 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 yeah. so for the B2B, you focus on a B2B social network that is, is the driver. Exactly. Course. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Horses for courses. Um, you know, my, my 14 year old daughter is um, starting her own business at the moment. Mm. And I, I know. Um, so, and her platform is Instagram. Wonderful. So she's, yeah. So she's basically um, building her audience and starting to get people ordering her, you know, the little hair scrunchies and she's designing a few things. So yeah, she's got her whole thing and she's found her own set of 
um, mentors and people who are teaching teens how to be entrepreneurs. So cool. it's really interesting. But to my point, you know, she's she's doing lots of visual content and putting it up because that's where her audience is and that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's how she's going to engage them and connect with them. Whereas, you know, I'm over on LinkedIn doing serious stuff. Fascinating. <laughs> So uh, talking on the topic of developing your business, like majority of things that uh, your business is working on is outsourcing, so right, so contractor work. And uh, can you give some tips for people uh, on how to best work with outsourcing the the work itself? Yeah, okay. So um, I'd say first and foremost, you need to have a very, very clear system. Um, And it's it's a you know copywriters is a really good example because it can go so terribly wrong so very quickly um and so uh, one of the um the biggest lessons i learned uh, when i very first started i went to a meeting with um someone and they were in uh, i think financial management or financial planning and they no joke gave me a pile of um, articles that they printed out it was this thick from other people's websites and they said, here, this is the kind of thing that we like. And I was like, oh, okay. And so I came back and I flipped through and I picked out three examples as um, sort of topic inspiration, applied it to what I knew of their business and went back to them. And it was awful. It was awful. She's like, I don't know why you use shoes as a metaphor. Now, there were four articles in the stack that had referenced shoes. So I was kind of like, well, you know, her audience is women and people get, you know, the cost per wear joke, you know, like all this sort of stuff. No, she didn't like it at all. And that was that was the first time I realized that I needed to have a really um, robust system in place for um, engaging and briefing writers, but also making sure that the, the person, the client understood what they were asking for. And that up until that point, that had been one of the biggest flaws in the whole content marketing outsourcing thing, Um, because a a lot of people I spoke to, they'd say, oh, yeah, we got a writer and we gave them a couple of topics and we really just couldn't even publish them. It was so it was so not us, you know, so so those were all the kinds of problems that I had to solve. So so having very clear guidelines for what you're expecting your contractor to do. Um, to the point where you can sit there with a, a list and say, do you think you met this, you know, these criteria mm-hmm. and allow them to self-assess what they've done mm-hmm. um, against the criteria so that, you know, you can say to them, look, this is the article we want you to write. Here's, here's the audience definition. This is the tone of voice. This is, you know, we use British English. We don't use swear words. We don't use questions. We don't use binary questions. We don't, you know, all this kind of stuff. And so you can go through and you can go, okay, you know, have you met all the criteria? Mm. And then they can, you know, assess their own work and then hand it in. Okay. And yeah. uh, while developing those uh, criteria of, uh, let's say, the guidelines of uh, how to write content and how to um, build up everything that you said, right, the tone of voice and the accent and uh, the nuances of the language, um, does it, uh, like... Is it part of already you having done so many so much work that you are able just to come in quickly ask several questions of the client and everything is uh, good to go or ha- what is the process of actually finding out and i believe from for many businesses out there uh, that can be an interesting question uh, of how to productively put those things together if you don't know what are they about yeah so yeah that's um and that's that's basically um, what the the online course is about. So there's there's three really key modules. So the first one is um, your audience, your offer, and your brand. So what those three things are is who you're talking to, what you're talking about, and how you're saying it. Mm-hmm. And that's that's basically the the foundation of any good content marketing strategy because if you don't really intimately know those things then you're going to kind of come out with bland disengaging content um and you know just the audience of those three things if you could only do one it would be the audience Mm. and it's it takes it a lot further than um you know simply having an avatar 
So, you know, Alan's in his 20s and he's got his first business and he drives a red car and, you know, none of that matters when you're writing content. Oh, what what matters? Okay, so it's things like, um, you know, is is Alan a uh, move away from pain person or a move towards reward person? Super. Uh, there'll be things like, um, are they solution aware or problem aware? Mm. So a, a problem aware person will go, okay, I've got a problem, but I don't know how to solve it. So content marketing, we can solve it with SEO. We can solve it with content. We can solve it with, um, paid advertising, or you have the solution aware person who says, right, I need to get some really good quality content written. Is it company A or company B? Okay. Yeah. So understanding all those little things and then there's you know whereabouts are they in your buyer journey so are they out there in the wilderness you know and you have to kind of bring them in so that's lead generation and credibility content or are they already on your database and you have to shift them across into becoming a paying client if they're a paying client are they succeeding in in using or experiencing the thing that you have and how do you communicate that Mm -hmm. so there's kind of touch points all the way along. So there's a whole range of things that you kind of go through. And I've got a whole process now for that. Very interesting. I believe that then gets written up into a kind of um, uh, description of that audience, Mm -hmm. which the writer can then use as a reference. Mm -hmm. So when you say to the writer, okay, you're going to be writing for audience um, D, for argument's sake, they can then go to the communication guide and go, okay, which one's audience D? Oh, okay. So those are these people, they're already sitting on the database. So the call to action at the bottom has to be by the thing. Um, you know, so it, it's quite involved, but once it's set up, it becomes much, much easier for everything to be managed and checked and made sure that it's correct. And, um, yeah, the right language is used, the right imagery is used, all that kind of thing. That seems like a very powerful course that uh, many businesses would find super valuable because uh, like in many cases, like we do hear the idea of uh, an avatar and who is an avatar. We usually talk about the things that uh, like they have or they do, uh, but actually looking from a perspective, as you mentioned, like what is their orientation, right? What do they focus on? Are they like a, a problem or a solution person? And that's that's uh, powerful insights that drive much more value just than just knowing what car they drive for or what wallpaper they have at home. Yeah, yeah. And it becomes then an exercise in uh, influence rather than an exercise in attraction because you're then able to use language really, really cleverly to um attract the clients that you really want to work with so for example if you've got a whole bunch of clients who um uh, move away from pain people they tend to be bargain hunters they tend to be a bit slack about paying their invoices on time they tend to ask for discounts that kind of thing and they tend to be disloyal mm-hmm. because they're going on you know they'll go oh this isn't really working for me not because it's not working but just because they didn't really have a defined place to go they they uh, motivation was to get away from where they are. So, you know, they go, oh, they, that looks like something good. So I'll go over there. And it's like, well, this isn't quite what I want either. So I'll go over there. Whereas the move towards reward people tend to be much more inclined to invest in the journey that they're on. They have a de- definitive goal in mind. And, you know, they, they will um, be much more loyal to people who help them get to where they're going. Okay. Um, about the idea of uh, moving towards um, reward people, uh, how large is this uh, audience usually in your practice? Uh, well, I try to work with 100% of people who uh, have that mindset. So, yeah, so I prefer, yeah, I don't like, in terms of uh, competing, I don't really feel like I uh, compete with the SEO people for example, because people will often go, well, we don't know we're going to use you or we're going to use SEO. And I say to them, probably don't use me, use SEO. (laughs) Whereas if somebody comes to me and goes, oh, look, we really want to send out a newsletter, but we're not sure what to put in it. And we just, you know, we really want to put this big database. We never communicate with them. Then I'm your girl. Super. Yeah. So, and and that tends to be a much better relationship. So uh, for example, two of my clients have been with me now for five and a half years. Mm -hmm. 
That's a wow. lot of content. Yeah. Uh, in terms of uh, understanding uh, what, what you like in the business and understanding yourself, uh, what would you say, um, do you, did you ever come across a system or a tool that helped you to better understand yourself, like gave you a massive boost of self-awareness or uh, it's, it's just uh, your, your journey and that helps you to better understand yourself? Um, I'm a big fan of kinesiology. I don't know if you're familiar with kinesiology. Mm, no. Ah, okay. So um, kinesiology is where you use uh, muscle testing to find out what uh, the answers to questions, because your body holds all the answers to all the questions. Um, okay. And it can be used, it can be used for mindset, and it can be used for uh, clearing blockages, you know, like mental blocks, and it can be used for um, helping heal physical things as well. So often you'll find you've got a, you know, like a reoccurring bad back. Um, and you go to the doctor and you go to the doctor and you go to the doctor and nothing happens and nothing happens. And then you go to um, somebody who does applied kinesiology, perhaps combined with chiropractic or something like that, boom, it's gone. Because, you know, the belief is that the emotions are held in the body, um, depending on what the emotion is and where it came from and, you know, all that kind mm -hmm, of stuff. And mm -hmm. so uh, a lot of reoccurring injuries, um, the physical side of things have been healed as well as they can yeah. be, but there's a, an energetic Oh, I 100% believe in that because uh, in, in many cases, as uh, as they say, you're, you're fully on point that the idea that we never learn to express our, and live through our emotions. And it's 100% that the emotions are building up in the body. And uh, there is a like separate field to, um, to health where we, um, what was that name? Um, is basically where we look at the influence of um, our mindset which uh, and emotions that create physical problems. Oh, <laughs> what was the name? Oh, I don't, I don't remember. It, I'll, I'll find out right in the description. But the, <laughs> the kind of the major idea is that a lot of illnesses in our body are caused by emotions uh, and are caused by mindset. So kinesiology... Uh, really sounds like uh, something that works specifically with that direction of health. Yeah, yeah, it does. And so then, you know, often, and then you can ask the body what it needs in order to heal further. So it could be vitamins, it could be medicine, it could be exercise, it could be meditation, it could be what, you know, but you can test and find out all those things just, you know, by asking your own body. Mm. Um, so, yeah, in terms of self-awareness, that's been the biggest thing. And I've been doing that probably for 20 years now. Wow yeah very interesting Played a lot of stuff <laughs> <laughs> and and that i believe you know when we we touched upon so like self-help practices i believe that that was one one of the major ones that uh, for you is is a self-care practice yeah no i haven't really even thought about it in those terms but yes it is it absolutely is and it is probably the key one super um, let's look at uh, a question you've mentioned that you participate in the masterminds and uh, I would love to ask you about the idea of um, how does your surrounding uh, influence your growth and success and uh, how did it came to be? Um, look, I, I'm kind of an outlier on, on that one in terms of, uh, I think in the questions you were saying, the um, you know, the, you're the sum of the five people that you surround yourself with. I, I tend to go for diversity rather than going, oh, I'm just going to find the five richest people that I know and hang out with them. Um, I, I tend to look for diversity in, in people, places, experiences, all those kinds of things. It's, it's more about um, making sure that I'm constantly uh, absorbing and questioning new things. Mm. And that's, that's the thing that keeps me inspired. And I think, I think, you know, going back to why did I start doing what I'm doing? Part of the part of what I'm doing is because I don't work in a in industry vertical, I work in a horizontal band. So I can take anyone from any industry. And that because because I do that setup period with them and so I kind of really get to crawl around in the mindset of their businesses, I, I find that I know a whole bunch of stuff about things that you know, people would go, oh, food in aged care, that's a bit boring. And I'm like, yeah, no, actually fascinating. <laughs> um, 
Um, so yeah, so I know a whole bunch of stuff about things that I would never have normally needed to delve into. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I think it's the diversity of those things. And I, I do have some business masterminds, but not a lot. Um, I think, um, one of the key things, um, and probably the biggest turning point in my business was the day that I dropped all my masterminds. Wow. Yeah. What, yeah, the, what did that of, mean for you? It, well, I think it was just, um, I was a bit frustrated because I wasn't, you know, like you can get into those masterminds and everybody's growing and there's, you know, mashing their goals and all this kind of stuff. And I was feeling a little bit stuck and I wasn't really moving anywhere. Mm. And, um, and it was, you know, it was reflected across, you know, my energy levels, my income levels, everything. And I just went, you know what, I can't do this anymore. And so I canceled all my memberships, got out of the courses that I was doing. And within two weeks, I had four new clients on wow. the agency. What changed? What? What changed? The, I, I gave the space for it to okay. come in. I was so busy trying to do the thing that I wanted to do that when I stopped trying to do the thing that I wanted to do, it happened. Wow. And I think, I think that any time I get stuck now, I don't look at what I need to do. I look at what I need to stop doing. Mm. So, so, so you've, uh, that's, I believe for every single listener out there, this can, uh, carry a ton of value from the idea that we get ourselves so busy. We get ourselves so worked up in the direction of what we actually want to do that we don't enable ourselves enough space for actually doing the thing. And we put all of the time into the idea of we have to work, 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 work and create, 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 create. But that manifestation activities not always bring us to results. And you're a great example of that where what you actually need to do is stop doing all the manifesting activities and enable it to come to you in life. Yeah. Yeah. We have a, we have a saying in our house. We go, Oh, uh, my husband's, he'll say this. He go, I need some new shirts and I'll go, but you don't have any spare coat hangers. And so I make him get rid of some shirts. Oh, that's wonderful. And then it's like, and then the shirts can come. That's so, that's yeah. that's a saying around where uh, you cannot fill a cup with uh, with new new water when the cup is full. So you you need to yeah, empty that's the exactly cup a little right. bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want if you want something new to come in, you know, like you know how you have those things that work, but they're kind of half broken, and you've taped them together and stuff, and you go, oh, I really should get a new one, but you don't, you don't, you don't. You have to throw it out first. Mm-hmm. then you can get the new one super because from my perspective like masterminds uh, shouldn't be a thing where um a they are uh, like i've seen so many where people are just like coming in and especially the variation of masterminds where you have the hot seats i believe that's uh i wouldn't say it's a waste of time because you will always learn something from the cases of the people who are in the hot seat and from the experience of the surrounding but the major thing why we want that surrounding is for that surrounding to support us on a constant basis. But when we're constantly participating in the masterminds, we, we tend to have so small amount of time dedicated to actually our own questions and what is truly needed for us. And we disperse our energy instead of foc- laser focusing on what we need to do, we spread it among many people and uh, through that, we have this huge destabilization of focus in our life, where not only we are focusing and trying so hard to build what we need to do, but also we are working on so many people uh, at the same time. And that so much energy outflow is going into the direction that is not serving us. Yeah, that's that's a really interesting one, actually, because um, I've, I'm kind of in a sub mastermind. <laughs> that that happened organically so I, I i don't know if you're aware of a guy called jeff walker who does um product launch formula oh it's yes a, yes 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 yeah, product yeah. Launch, okay so so i, I joined product, product launch formula but this year because of covid they did the um the live conference we they did it on zoom mm-hmm. so because we're in australia we had to get up at midnight and pull an all-nighter three nights in a row Mm-hmm. um to to attend the conference and so so all the people in new zealand and not all of us but a small group of the new zealand and australian people 
we kind of got together on our own little um, messenger group just to make, you know, just to make sure we were up and that we didn't fall asleep during mm -hmm. the lunch break, which was at like three in the morning. Um, and then and then after that, we decided that we'd meet every week and help each other go through this, you know, go through the coursework mm -hmm. and, and do all the work and stuff. And so there's probably about, um, there's might be 12 of us all up. Okay. And I'd say maybe six or seven of us um, will turn up. Not the same six and seven, but you know, like six or seven every week would turn up to the. We've got a one-hour mm -hmm. window on Fridays, and because we're all focused on doing the same thing, and we're all a little bit behind or a little bit in front of each other, it is an incredibly valuable hour. Wonderful. And yeah, yeah, and occasionally we find somebody else out in the larger group who's who's from Australia, and we kind of go, oh. Psst, over here and join our group um and and so it's it's really um become a really valuable it doesn't cost us anything except that one hour and we're all very um generous in how we share and help each other so it's it's um it doesn't feel like we're fragmenting um our energy at all Yes, so I finally got out of you what I re really wanted to hear that uh, uh, because at the beginning you said like ah, my, I, I cancelled everything and it started to work. But actually, this is what I wanted to everyone to hear. Well, that was years ago, though. But that, in, that, that in, is... in any case, what I wanted the case here to prove is that when a mastermind is focused on your core needs, and what you actually need to do on a constant basis on a weekly basis is actually super supports you. It actually helps you to move because the, the people who are in the mastermind, they're not only uh, on the same level where you are, they are doing in the, the same direction. They're working in the same direction as you are. You have a common goal and that provides the unity within the group for the group uh, energy, for the mastermind energy to super influence what you're doing. And you wouldn't be able to achieve the same thing if you were doing it alone. And that's what I want, yeah. wanted to hear. And you presented that fact very well. And I believe for every single person out there, when you're thinking, when you're thinking about masterminds in general, you have to make sure that the group goals are aligned with your goals. And what the group members are doing is in line what you're also doing in your life. And you're, you're constantly getting the support you need on a, at least a weekly basis. Uh, and uh, that uh, level, let's say, of intimacy, of trust, of support, uh, the group energy of working in the same direction can do magnific magnificent results for the direction that, uh, that you're trying to follow through on. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's true. And I think, I think that is the key to the success of that group is that we all, we're all speaking the same language We've all got the same reference material available to us and mm. we're all trying to do the same thing, even though we're doing it in such diverse um, industries. Um, you know, we have an artist, we have a woman who trains horses. We, you know, there's, there's all sorts in there, but we're all kind of working through the same thing with the same problems and helping each other solve them. And it's, um, yeah, it's incredibly valuable. Wonderful. On, on, this, uh, on this energetic idea, I would love you to share some advice uh, to the listeners on what can they do in their business to make the most out of 2021? Um, I think uh, starting, the, the first thing I do, and, and I'm about to do this over the next two days, is I massively declutter. So I unsubscribe from everything I've subscribed to for the last year. I go through all my files. I get everything off my desktop. I archive anything that's not really relevant anymore or that's not going to be relevant for the year. Like, so that's all my um, online drives get cleared out. Um, my office gets cleared out. I'll often rearrange it um, or, you know, do something mm -hmm. new, paint a wall, something, get new plants. Um, so yeah, so I'll, I think it's, again, it's not about what I do do, it's the things that I get rid of that clear it out and make that space for the mm. things that I want to come in in the next 12 months. Oh, that's so, one of the best advices uh, out of the whole series that we had. Uh, stop, like, stop thinking about what you get new done in the year, actually declutter first of everything that you don't need from the year that you've already been through to let all the opportunities come into your life in the upcoming year. Super. Yeah, I mean, you know, sack a client or two. 
Oh, that's powerful. <laughs> yeah, How yeah. do you do that? Well, if it's not really working out, you can just kind of say, I think we're done. Okay. <laughs> you know? so, sometimes it's a, it's a natural separation and you can do it very gracefully. Um, and sometimes you do have to say, you're not really fitting with where I'm going this year. Wonderful. That's, that's also yeah. a powerful idea for, for everyone out there. That's you, you choose your clients and uh, your well-being yeah. and your business depends on you being able to stay focused and truthful to yourself. And if the client relationship isn't playing out, don't suffocate yourself, uh, get rid of that relationship and enable a mm. new one, a better one to come in. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Great. So uh, Camille, I thank you for your time. I thank you for sharing your story, your practices, uh, big ideas uh, on uh, how to stay productive. Uh, I love the concept of decluttering. Um, uh, I believe that everyone is uh, also interesting to know more about kinesiology. Um, we will share the links in the description below. Uh, also about, I remember, about the bullet journal and how do you practice it. That's, that's a big thing uh, to share as well. I'll provide a link in the description below. And for everyone who wants to know more about uh, B2B content writing and um, uh, understanding how to do content writing yourself and hiring clients, Camille has wonderful course coming up as well as uh, I believe you can find a lot of value and insights uh, by signing up and subscribing to what she has to offer. So uh, you'll find all the descriptions about how to find more about Camille in the description. Thank you, Camille. I uh, wish you a happy upcoming uh, holiday season. Wonderful, have a wonderful new year. And thank you for being with us. Thank you. You're listening to Life Origami Podcast with Alan Laid. Thank you for tuning in. I hope that you found a lot of value in this episode. If you have any comments, shoot me a DM. I would love to listen to your feedback on how can we improve this episode and what can we include in the future episodes as well. Also, if you're an entrepreneur that is building a business that you love from the comfort of your home and you're tired of working in isolation because you know that you're fired up by this group energy that you had in a business where you worked in before, like you know that all of the group energies where you know that people expect you to be up and there for your team on a daily basis working on the stuff that needs to get done and you knew that this is something that is a critical element for you to be productive on a daily basis but now that you're working alone in the comfort of your home and you are your own boss and there is no team behind you all the productivity all the things that made you the best that you can be on a daily basis is missing as a critical part of your day-to-day -day activity and day-to-day -day work because you're now working for yourself. So if this is something that is bothering you, if this is something that is missing in your day-to-day -day activity, I invite you to check out my new project called the Online Coworking Space for Entrepreneurs. This is a space that I've prepared and specifically made taking into account all of those most practical, the best systems, tools, and activities that use the functionality of the group environment to get you up and running every single day and using every single day to your most productive abilities. So if this is something that is missing and you want to introduce that into your day-to-day -day life, interacting with a group of like-minded entrepreneurs, I invite you to check out the project in the description below. And you will, if you will have any questions, you can always shoot me a DM. We can get on a call and I will tell you everything that you would like to discover additionally and how can this project benefit and serve your business. Talk to you soon.